Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. When we look back on a life well lived, there are likely to be three things we found that were the most important. Number one, how much we loved. Number two, how gently we lived. Number three, how gracefully we release the things that are not meant for us. And, you know, wine is very helpful with all three. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Chris here, and today we have a brand new topic we are talking about here on the podcast. It is something that we haven't really talked about yet because we haven't really had the opportunity, I guess, or a reason to talk about alcohol or wine specifically here on the podcast. But wine has been a big part of my life since I was about 18 when I first studied abroad in Italy, as you'll hear me share a little bit about here on the podcast. Um, And then one of my first little trips I went on with my husband when we were first dating was a little wine tour or a series of wine tours in the Niagara region of Ontario. And then when we lived in Ontario for almost five years, we were able to experience a ton of the beautiful little wineries in the Niagara and the Niagara Escarpment region. And it was something that I kind of grew a passion around really learning about the different wines and the different growers and how the soil and the weather and all of these things really made a difference in the wines. And it's something that I have enjoyed kind of just as a foodie and maybe a little bit of a hobby, I guess, um, with my husband. Something that we've we've always shared um, since the beginning of our relationship and really enjoyed is trying out new wines. But I think that wine and other alcohol oftentimes 
oftentimes we have a relationship with alcohol that is similar to our relationship with food. Many times we are in this kind of on again, off again cycle with drinking alcohol or not drinking alcohol. And I fully understand um, that it is everyone's personal choice whether they want to drink or not drink any sort of alcohol, wine included, um, and if they feel like it's right for their bodies or not. And for us, it's just been kind of a pleasurable experience of enjoying food and enjoying time together. But I think oftentimes we don't realize the effect that it has on our bodies, especially when we are drinking wine or anything else regularly. And so finding solutions to actually enjoy something like the pleasure of drinking wine but actually feel good is something that's really only I've only been aware of for probably the past to probably the past two years. I had some friends who introduced me to the concept of dry farm wines and we started drinking dry farm wines which um, you will hear our guest Todd talk about what that actually means in the episode about well, I guess it'll be about a year ago now. And we pretty pretty quickly noticed a difference between drinking wines that were more natural wines that were produced without additives and grown in a way that is natural and traditional versus drinking kind of the cheaper wines that you would get for maybe $10 or $12 at the store. It's a much more pleasurable experience to drink wines that are so unique um, and so easily drunk with food rather than just drinking them by themselves. And they also feel better in our bodies. And as I mentioned in the interview, it actually feels good to have a couple of glasses of wine. And I don't wake up in the morning with a headache. And I've actually noticed a difference between maybe going to an event with my husband. He's in the sailing industry. So there is a lot of drinking of all kinds, not just wine. It's just kind of part of their culture. And I've had a couple glasses of wine and woken up with a headache and gone like, I didn't have that much to drink. Why do I feel so awful? And part of it is probably being over 30. And part of it is that I didn't realize until probably two years ago all of the extra stuff that they can add to wine, including extra alcohol. I had no idea. And Todd goes through all of this in the interview today. There's so many different additives and things that can make us feel really icky after we drink wine. And especially for those of us who are interested in living a healthy, balanced life and aren't really sure how something like wine plays a role in living a healthy, balanced life, one of the choices we can make is to drink wines that are produced better and without any extra icky stuff that might not make us feel so great, um, to put it in the most rudimentary way possible, because I am not the wine expert. But my guest today, Todd, who is the founder of Dry Farm Wines, is on with us today to share all about natural wines and how you can responsibly and healthfully drink wine on a regular basis, if you so choose, (laughs) in a way that really feels good. So a little bit more about Todd. Todd has been a serial entrepreneur and creator since he was 17. Today, after 15 years in the wine business, his life is dedicated to educating and helping people make better choices about food, nutrition, and how they think about consuming alcohol. As the founder of Dry Farm Wines, a writer, speaker, and a leader in the organic and natural wine movement, he has widely educated communities in conscious consumption. Todd is deeply passionate about bringing people together to share love and laughter through natural wine. 
Dry Farm Wines, his company, sources pure natural wines and lab tests to ensure each bottle is sugar-free, lower in sulfites, and lower in alcohol. Dry Farm Wines is dedicated to supporting small natural growers, currently sourcing from 600 family farmers who preserve 87,000 acres of organic vineyards and save 1.4 billion gallons of water annually by not irrigating their vines. They vet each grower's practice and support those who focus on regenerative farming, biodiversity, hand harvesting, and the absence of industrial additives. Dry Farm Wines is proud to be the largest natural wine merchant in the world, bringing awareness to natural wine consumption and supporting farmers who honor the soil. So I am so excited to have you listen to this conversation I had with Todd all about natural wines, what natural wines are, how the wines we're drinking now might be affecting our bodies, and how natural wines are not just better for our bodies, but as you just heard, they're better for the planet, they're better for the grower. Um, And so it was just such a fun conversation. I totally nerded out on wine with him. I asked him some of the questions that I have around wine, like, is there actually a right way to drink wine? How, what kind of temperature should you drink wine at? What kind of glass should you drink wine in? And then I even asked him some questions about how he creates balance in his own life, being the founder of a massive company that is rapidly growing, um, but also staying true to his values and Dry Farm Wines values of working with these smaller farmers and bringing these really quality wines to to people. Um, So we had a great conversation. It was so much fun. I had so much fun nerding out about wine, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation as well. So without further ado, let's chat wine. Hi, Todd. Welcome to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. I am so, so thrilled to have you on talking about a topic that I love, but it's something that we haven't yet talked about here on the podcast. We're going to be talking about natural wines today. Awesome. I'm excited to be here and lots to share about natural wines and the dirty, dark secrets of the wine business. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I am a huge wine lover. I first started drinking wine when I was about 18, but I was studying abroad in Italy, so it was legal. (laughs) And I didn't learn a ton about wine there. Um, They served it at dinner and we did learn a little bit. They taught us a little bit about different regions and how the wines differ in different regions. And then a couple years later, So I was about 20. Um, My now husband, we were dating at the time, he grew up in southwestern Ontario, so not too far away from the Niagara region in Ontario. So he took me on my first wine tour. And it was actually a couple of different wine tours. And because, you know, I I wasn't drinking in the U.S., I hadn't learned really much other than my short experience um, studying abroad in Italy about wine. And so we started learning how the different wines were produced and how the different grapes produce different wines and how the the region, um, you know, one of the things that I didn't know was that Ontario, especially the Niagara region, makes really great whites, but not as great reds because of the soil and because of the the climate and all of these things. So it was very fascinating to me. Um, so I learned a lot about wine in and of itself, um, kind of from those first tours. And then we lived in the Toronto area. I'm in New England now, but we lived in the Toronto area for about uh, five years or so. And so we would travel to Niagara and we would do some wine tasting and wine tours. But I didn't learn anything Um, Other than there were a couple of wineries we went to that had more um, eco-friendly practices, but we didn't learn a lot about 
what went into the wine. And we didn't talk a lot about what went into the wine other than the grapes. <laughs> so I would love to start just by sort of hearing your story about how you got into the world of wine as a whole. And then how did you get into natural wines? Well, I've been drinking wine since I was about nine years old. So I got a little earlier start than you did. <laughs> and, uh, and that was at the family dinner table. And so, you know, I, I have been a, um, I've been a lifelong wine aficionado since I was in my late teens. <clears throat> and in fact, I moved to Napa Valley, which is the most important wine appellation in North America about 20 years ago. So just had a long, deep relationship with wine. And uh, however, uh, over time, I found that wine wasn't treating me as favorably as it once had. And I didn't know why. I thought it was because of higher alcohol, but I had become ketogenic. So about five or six years ago, I started ex experimenting with it with a therapeutic ketogenic diet. And um, and after that, I found I couldn't process alcohol as well. Sometimes this is a common side effect from from the keto diet. But I thought it was really just from higher alcohol because alcohol has been rising in in U.S. wines over the last thirty years. See, it turns out the wine industry loves alcohol. See, I love wine, but I don't love alcohol. And so the wine industry is just the opposite. They love alcohol because it's addictive. Mm -hmm. um, it's also what I call a domino drug. So the more you drink, the more likely you are to drink more, right? So higher alcohol serves the purposes of selling more wine. <laughs> so I, you know, but for me, I wanted to drink. So that's what I thought in the beginning. I thought it was just the alcohol and I was going to try and find lower alcohol wines. But I didn't realize, even though I lived in the heart of the Napa Valley and I had made wine about 15 years ago in Napa. And even though I, I was around wine all the time, around winemakers all the time, around wine growing all the time, I didn't really know as many people don't, even people who are in the wine business don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. So what's going on behind the scenes in the big, dark, dirty secret is that there are 76 additives approved by the FDA mm -hmm. for the use in winemaking. Now, some of them are natural. Some of them are harmless. And then some of them are quite toxic, right? The problem is with no transparency, the reason you don't know which of these additives are in your wine is that uh, there's no there's no label on a wine bottle with the contents. So wine is the only major food product without a contents label on it. Mm. Further, it has no nutritional information on it either. So you don't know how much sugar is in it. Mm -hmm. So our customers are people who care about what they put in their body. You know, our customers are people who care about sugar, right? And so not all of them, you know, our customers care about different things, but most of them care about what they put in their body. And so the problem is when they're drinking wine and I drink wine every day, the problem is when you're drinking wine, you don't know what you're drinking, mm -hmm. right? You don't know how much sugar's in it. You don't know what additives are in it. You don't know anything about it. You don't even know how much alcohol is in it actually. See, <clears throat> alcohol stated on a wine bottle is not required by law to be accurate. So, yeah. Yeah, so this is just another collusion between the wine industry and the Washington politicians who keep all of this legal, right? Who, I mean, 
who spend millions of dollars in lobby money to keep labeling off of wine. They don't want labels on wine because they don't want you to know what's in it. They don't want to have to disclose what's in it. And they don't want to have to have the conversation about what's in it. Right. So, so in this pursuit for what I initially thought was lower alcohol wines, it surprises a lot of people to hear the wine guy who they think is here to sell wine say the following that alcohol is a very dangerous neurotoxin and some people shouldn't drink at all. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so we, you know, we only sell and drink lower alcohol wines and we define lower alcohol as 12 and a half percent or lower. We sell wines as low as 7%. Most of the wines I drink are between nine and 11%. A, I like the taste of that alcohol profile. And uh, B, I just feel better from drinking less alcohol. And so uh, for me, and I like to drink, you know, I'm, I'm not your one glass kind of guy, right? Like I'd like to have several. And so the only way I'm going to get a lower alcohol experience <clears throat> is to begin with an inherently lower alcohol in the wine in the first place. So anyway, these, these you know, what's happening in conventional wines? So the same thing that happened in our food supply has happened in our wine supply. And that means massive corporate consolidation fueled by money and greed. Right. And so, you know, there's nine or 10 food companies that basically touch everything that that food is made out of. And then unless you're buying local. And then, you know, in the wine industry, the top three largest companies make 52 percent of all the wines in the U.S. And the top 30 U.S. wine companies make over 70 percent of U.S. wine. So when you go into the grocery store and you see these shelves of wine and these hundreds or thousands of labels or bottles, they're primarily made by a handful of people, right? And they're made now when you pick up the bottle, because most people buy wine by label or because they know a brand because they've seen an advertisement for it or heard a story about it. But when you pick up that label, it has that cute farmhouse on it. That's they want you to believe that you're drinking from this cute farmhouse. When in fact, you're likely, probably, drinking from a massive wine factory located in Central California. So these companies, these top 20 or 30 who make most of the wine, don't want you to know they make all this wine. They're very sophisticated, multi-billion dollar marketing conglomerates, right? And so they hide behind thousands of brands and labels to confuse you. Right? They don't want you to know that this wine in this bottle is made in the same factory as this wine in that bottle. And the, the problem with these additives is, and the reason that they're necessary, <clears throat> is because you can't make wine in very large volumes making wine naturally. Right? So, and we can talk in a moment what a natural wine is and how it differs from conventional wine. But, you know, when you make natural wine, you can't make it in very large quantities. So uh, when you make wine in large quantities, you must use additives and chemicals to keep the environment safe. And when I say safe, what I mean is in order to protect the downside risk of bacteria that is inherently present in wine or broken fermentations or all kinds of ri financial risk for the winemaker, Right. And so when you make wine in large volumes, you must use these additives in order to control your risk. So, and 
But let's let's talk about the difference between conventional, and then I'll take a question from between a conventional wine, those which you see in the store, and a natural wine. You're not going to go into the store and see any natural wines. Natural wines make up less than one tenth of one percent of all wines in the world. It's a tiny, tiny niche of the wine industry, and we're the largest importer and reseller of natural wines in the world. And so. You, you're not going to go in, and just because the wine says it's organic doesn't mean it's natural. So we're going to talk about that for a moment. So when you go into Whole Foods and you see a wine that says organically grown, that doesn't mean it's natural. It just means it was organically grown, which is a step up from industrial farming for sure. But the difference between natural and conventional wines is that natural wines are always organically or biodynamically farmed. Biodynamic farming is a prescriptive advanced form of organic farming. So they're always organic or biodynamically farmed. Number two, they are always fermented with wild native yeast. Well, what does that mean? Well, on the skin of every grape berry at the time of harvest, there's a white waxy looking film on it. That is actually yeast that has been collected on the wild yeast collected in the air in the vineyard where the grape was grown. Every grape in the world has this yeast on it. With conventional winemakers, the very first thing they do is pour sulfur dioxide into the juice to kill the native yeast. And then they inoculate it with the genetically modified lab grown yeast. And the reason they do that is because the wild native yeast is very temperamental. It's difficult to work with, requires a lot of attention and coddling, and uh, it won't withstand very high alcohol environments, and you can't make wine in great volumes with it. It's too unstable. Mm. These lab-grown yeasts have been modified to be strong, sturdy, easy to work with, practically no risk of broken fermentation. That's when your fermentation process breaks and stops right in the middle of fermenting. And then you have to feed it all kinds of nutrients to try and restart the yeast. So the, the, um, and number three, they're additive free. In our case, in dry farm wines case, they have a few other attributes that are unique to us. We also require that they're dry farmed, which means the use of no irrigation. And that's really important for a number of factors, but perhaps most importantly, and this is not in dispute, when a grapevine is stressed, like when it's not irrigated, it creates a fruit of higher quality and higher character, which is why it's illegal to irrigate in most of Europe. And so Europeans who've been making wines for 3,000 years know what we know. The moment you irrigate a grapevine, you fundamentally change the physiology of how the fruit ripens and you change the physiology of how the, how the plant uh, gets nutrient. Because an irrigated grapevine gets its nutrient right from the same tube it gets its water. You know, it gets nitrogen. Therefore, an irrigated grapevine has a root ball that's about three feet in diameter and about three or four feet deep. An unirrigated grapevine at, matur at maturity can have root spans that can be 30 or 40 feet deep right, as it's searching and struggling for nutrient and water, particle, just little particles of moisture, right? And so 
This is, uh, in addition to that, we don't sell any wine over 12.5%, and our wines are lab-tested and sugar-free. We also put a cap on the amount of sulfite that that can be contained in the wine. And so... That, so, you know, when our customers come to us, they know they're getting an organic, sugar-free, lower alcohol, lab-tested for purity product. Now, on top of all that, we have an aesthetic, what we call an aesthetic, which is the, the taste of the wine, the aromatics of the wine. And so I think you've been drinking our wine for a while, right? So our wines are... Our wines are reflective of how we sort of live and how we eat as well. So our wines are lighter. They're fresher. Uh, they're more friendly with food because alcohol is not friendly with food. Uh, I mean, you don't have vodka in a salad, right? I mean, it's just like alcohol is not very friendly with food. Water is friendly with food. And the lower the alcohol in a wine, the more water is in it, right? Because there are only two primary there are only two primary contents in wine, uh, alcohol and water. And then there's polyphenols and some other compounds that are thought to impart health properties, more so in red than white, but primarily it's ethyl alcohol and water are the two primary ingredients in in wine, Uh, assuming it doesn't have additives in it. I'm talking about a natural wine. So anyway, that's, that's, um, that's sort of what, that's, how the wine business works and you know natural wines are hard to find it depends on where you live you can find natural wines in major markets like montreal or new york or san francisco or um london paris chicago you know if you live in if you live in los angeles if you live in a major market you will find natural wine retailers or they're always very small but they'll be in these major markets or you'll find natural wine bars or restaurants that feature natural wine. If you live outside of a major market and with the pandemic today, even major markets have been impacted. Of course, if you live outside of a major market, then they're very, very difficult to find. And uh, so anyway, any questions? Oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm nodding along over here. Some of this I've learned just in learning about dry farm wines. Cause I was, I was curious. I have some friends who started drinking dry farm wines and I was like, what is this about natural wines? And I started talking to my husband, who's just as big into, into wine and food. I'm actually a trained chef. So I love food and I love that your wines go so well with food and actually really experimenting with, um, the different wines with different food pairings. And so that was really appealing to me, but I'm also someone who cares a lot about my health and, and I have, you know, over the years moved and we've moved as a family away from supporting a lot of these, you know, larger companies when it comes to food and eating more real food, trying to eat more local, supporting our local farms. We live on a small Island, so we, we have some local farms. We don't have a ton. Um, And so learning these things about the wine industry and just learning the difference and then feeling the difference between dry farm wines and natural wines versus the conventional wines has been really eye-opening. And you're talking about the, the fermentation and the natural yeast, and I'm nodding along going, oh my gosh, I love to ferment myself. So I have, um, I make sourdough bread and I make sauerkraut and I've made kombucha in the past. And it's it's, I'm, I understand how much harder it must be to make 
the wine with the natural yeast, because I know that if there's just a little bit of something happens with the sauerkraut, the whole batch goes. <laughs> if there's a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of mold in the top of the cabbage, then it's the whole batch is gone. It's done. I've had many of batches of kombucha that I've tossed down <laughs> the sink because they haven't worked. And so I imagine it is harder for these companies to make this wine, but the companies who do make this wine must really have a passion for it, uh, for making wine that is traditional, really. I mean, I imagine this type of wine is a traditional food because they didn't have these food additives when they were making wine thousands of years ago. So I'm kind of curious then, how do you go about as a company sourcing these natural wines? Because like you mentioned, you can find natural wines. And actually, I guess the a subset of that question would be how do we find natural wines other than dry farm, but how would we know it's a natural wine? I know you gave a couple of, you know, this is how you tell it's a natural wine. What would you, what would you ask to find if it's a natural wine? And so how do you source it? And how would somebody ask maybe a vineyard or um, a sommelier who might know about wine to find out if they're natural wines? Well, unfortunately it's not, you know, it's not quite that simple. Um, natural wines, if, if the psalm, yeah, a lot of psalms don't know much about natural wine mm-hmm. because they've been trained in classic cult wines, right? So they don't know much about natural wines uh, in, in most cases, um, occasionally. And then there's some prejudice from the conventional wine industry against natural wines, right? They're not expensive. Uh, they're hard to find. Um, and they, they don't fit the kind of the SOM model of selling these cult, you know, multi-hundred dollar bottles of wine. Mm-hmm. And which is also the wines that they were classically trained on. So how we go about finding them, if, 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 if a farm, and these are like small family farms, we work with about just under a thousand of these small family farms across, across the globe. We don't sell any U.S. wines, by the way. Uh, no U.S. wines meet all of our standards for oh, wow. our criteria. So most of our wines come from across Europe. We have a handful of growers in South Africa and South America. But uh, mo- the propensity of them are spread across Europe. And how we go about sourcing them, well, now we're the largest buyer of natural wines in the world, so people come to us. But there are natural wine fairs. And you have to submit very specific criteria <clears throat> proving that you are a natural wine grower. You have to submit lab tests. Mm. Uh, and so not to all the fairs, but most. But here's the thing. The community is so small that everybody knows everybody else, right? And they collaborate and they share you know, tips and knowledge with one another. And not all thousand know the other thousand, but, you know, say in central France, you know, where there might be, you know, a hundred or 150, they will all know each other. Mm-hmm. And so at these wine fairs, and there are about 50 a year, they're natural wine fairs that, that, um, and since the community is pretty small, we know virtually everybody, Right. And in addition to going to the wine fairs, we're also touring farms to vet and assure their farming practices. Although there's not been any, there's not been any fraud in the natural wine movement, you know, but it's a very, these are hippies. They're kind of like 
they're revolutionaries who, you know, have been cast uh, have been cast away by their local communities for organic and biodynamic farming. Um, they, you know, they've been rebels. These are people who genuinely care about regenerative agriculture and living soils and, you know, and, 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 and a living earth, right? They're just like, they're activists. And so they're not like wine companies. They're kind of like hippies and small family farms that, you know, that are just very, well, most often they have children. Most often they'll tell you that, you know, I don't want to poison the earth and my children. I want to live this way of life. Look, a hundred years ago, all wines were natural, right? Don't even have to go back a thousand. A hundred years, all wines were natural. Irrigation for grape farming didn't come to California until the 1970s, right? So prior to, prior to that, everything was dry farmed in California. Now less than 1% of, uh, less than 1% of California vineyards are, are, are dry farmed. They're all irrigated, right? And you irrigate because it's easier and cheaper to farm, mm-hmm. right? And it produces a higher yield with berries that weigh more when they're filled with water. Fruit sold by the ton, mm-hmm. right? More it weighs and more it's worth. So this is why you irrigate. And so, you know, this, this whole thing is not about making wine better, better for you or better wine. It's about making it faster and cheaper. Right. And so that's, uh, but, but there, there are a couple tricks to finding natural wine. You know, if you're not buying it from us and I don't, whether you buy it from us, I don't think is nearly as important than if you're a regular wine drinker, you should be drinking natural wines. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we happen to be a convenient alternative to getting them at your doorstep. But there are other ways to locate natural wine. Again, primarily in major markets. You can do a Google search for natural wine. It's The category is, you know, is pretty well known now. In addition to that, there is a smartphone app called Raisin, just like the dried grape. Uh, Raisin, that is the sort of official natural wine app in the world. Now, they're based in Europe, so it's very, very uh, well populated in cities like, you know, Milan or Rome or uh, London, Paris. Paris is sort of the natural wine city of the world, uh, followed by New York. So it works well in New York. It works okay in Los Angeles. Again, these major markets where there's some density of natural wine. Uh, but um, so that's that's a way to find natural wine retail. If 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 a retailer sells natural wine, they are almost always exclusively natural wine, right? Not not always, but almost always. Like again, they're kind of a part of this activist hippie movement, right? They're just like, they, um, and which was sort of the original foundation of the natural wine movement, even for consumers, you know, boots and beards and hipsters. Now, you know, we certainly have those customers, but we expanded the marketplace into a healthier alternative to traditional wines. And so our customers don't necessarily represent that demographic you know there tend to be women between the ages of 
you know, most of our customers are women between 30 and 55. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a large portion of them are, are, are mothers because we're endorsed by a whole bunch of mother bloggers and <laughs> podcasters. And because, you know, when you, you have children at home, it's nice to be able to drink a lower alcohol wine that, that is better for you and that you're going to feel better and you're going to ma- remain more cognitively connected because you're not getting belted over the head with this high alcohol sort of like extracted wine. So when you drink lighter alcohol wines, you're just going to feel better and you're going to have more cognitive control. So for a mother who wants to tap in but not check out, right, Mm. then lower alcohol wines are, you know, are are a great way to do that. So we um, that's, you know, that's kind of kind of how we think about it. Yeah. Oh, well, I love that you, you know, you talked about moms too, because that is my primary listenership or their moms and they are in that age group. And what's interesting is my, my husband's in the sailing industry and the sailing industry is notoriously, they are just oftentimes drinkers <laughs> and they right. drink all sorts of alcohol, um, for sure. he, you know, has grown up in the industry. He's been in the industry for like almost 20 years. And so he's always grown up with alcohol and they serve wine at dinners. And I don't go to a ton of them. He goes to, he travels all over the world. Sure. So he travels most of the time by himself, but a couple of times in the summer, I will go to events and, you know, m- much less so this summer because of everything going on in our world. But I remember this summer. So we've been drinking dry farm wines regularly for about, I'm going to say, I said six months, but I, I want to say it's more like eight or nine months now. And we love, like I mentioned, to just have a glass or two of wine with dinner and enjoy it with food and, and be able to sit there and have it with our kids. And um, I remember going to just a dinner with him and having a couple glasses of wine, just whatever was served at the table. And I woke up the next morning with a headache and I was like, what is going on? I'm like, there's no way I'm hungover. I only had like two glasses of wine. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? We have been drinking dry farm wines. And I didn't tell you this ahead of time. This is not like just a <laughs> promoting dry farm wines because I, I I have really felt the difference when sure. I, that I can have a couple glasses of wine because I'm I'm not a one glass of wine kind of girl. <laughs> I mean, sometimes when I'm, you know, cooking dinner because I do love to cook and I love a slow evening on a on a Friday night, if my husband and I are going to have a date night at home or on a Saturday night, it's nice to cook and to have a glass of wine but For oftentimes, sure. if we're going to sit down and have a nice long dinner, you know, we have a glass with as an appetizer and then a glass with dinner. And it is nice to be able to have a couple glasses and not feel like you're tipsy, but to be enjoy the wine and have it be part of the experience and and then not wake up in the morning and be like, oh, kids, because I've got a headache. <laughs> and so I think that the the health aspect to it is so appealing to me and I'm sure is appealing to my listeners as well, because I do I talk a lot about balance here on the podcast and learning what works for you and what works for your body. And, but also that, you know, the awareness I think of the industry is so important because I think that it, you know, for so many, for so many just people in general out there, my husband had no idea. And we've, like I said, we've been to plenty of wineries and, you know, we've learned about wine, but there is of course, they're not going to say, oh, you know, we added this much sugar to the wine. <laughs> we add these additives so that, you know, this fermentation process works the way we want it to or whatever. So having that awareness of this is why you're feeling this way and wine can be a part of 
a healthy, balanced life. If you so choose, if it's right for you and right for your body, this can make it, this is a way to drink wine that is healthier and that is going to support your body better than your conventional wine that you're drinking. Um, so I love that a lot. Um, so I would actually, I would love to talk a little bit more about kind of, you know, how you practice drinking wine in your life because you're the wine guy, right? And so how do you make drinking wine a part of your, you said you drink wine every single day or, you know, most days. I do. <laughs> so well, how do you make it a part of your healthy life? I have uh, some pretty, <clears throat> I have some pretty advanced um, wellness practices. So I only eat once per day. So I do 24 hour intermittent fasting and I do regular extended three to five day fast about once a month or so. And so I don't drink uh, on an extended fast. That's the only time I don't drink wine. Uh, I also don't drink during the daytime. Um, and no one at my company does either uh, unless we're at a wine fair, which there haven't been any because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, so you know, we, we traditionally in the wine business, people do tastings all day long. We don't do that because we mm -hmm. don't think drinking in the daytime is a good health practice. Mm -hmm. So we, um, so when I think about wine, I think a lot about community. I think a lot about sharing love. Um, I think a lot about the intention and the spirit of this pure natural wine that's in the bottle that see wine is very interesting, natural wines that are produced by the grower. Right. So because the same person who tended the vines and took care of the fruit that became the wine is the same person who fermented it and put it in the bottle. Right. It's all one individual or a small group of individuals with a family, but usually there's one person who's sort of, the, the grower, right? And so with that, I mean, you're getting a part of that grower's signature, his spirit, his or her spirit, right? And so, but I think a lot about sharing wine, right? And, and you know, and around the dinner table. And I drink about a bottle a night, uh, but again, I drink pretty low alcohol wines and that's over a course of three or four hours. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, you know, I begin uh, really with the intention of enjoying the wine and sharing it with someone else. And I think that's, you know, wine is just meant to be shared. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, wine enhances our creative expression. It raises our euphoria. It, it makes us more connected in, in, in a way that not really other alcohol doesn't do. It bonds us in a way that it's just gentle, particularly these pure, natural, lower alcohol wines are just gentle. And yes, to your point, you definitely feel different. Not only do you feel different afterwards, but you feel different during, while you're consuming it, mm -hmm. right? It's just a more gentle experience. And so for me, you know, living gently I love the quote, my favorite quote of all time that we recite quite often at Dry Farm Wines is that when we look back on a life well lived, there are likely to be three things we found that were the most important. Number one, how much we loved. Number two, how gently we lived. Number three, how gracefully we release the things that are not meant for us. And 
you know, wine is very helpful with all three. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, that's how I kind of think about wine. And I, I want to be able to drink a bottle of wine and feel great. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's, that's very important to me um, because of my wellness practices. I mean, I get up, I meditate every morning, you know, I work out every morning. And so this waking up refreshed, not sacrificing my morning for the pleasure of my evening you know, it's a really big deal mm-hmm. and certainly a big deal if you have children. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I am nodding along with you and, and believing in the experience of drinking the wine and, and just food as a whole, it means a lot to me too. So having that meal and having that be an experience and having it be a satisfying experience, I think is, is very important to me. And because I think we're so rushed in our world so much. And I think a lot of times people turn to wine to let go of the day and to just, you know, to not feel rather than the community, like you said, the experience of this is a part of sitting around the table with people that we love and enjoying this time together and slowing down. I think so many of us have been forced to slow down in the last, you know, seven or eight months, which I, I mean, the circumstances surrounding are not good, but I think the fact that now we've been forced to, I think, um, at least just many of us be at home more and settle down more, I think has been positive in many ways, um, many ways, not, but many ways it has been positive. And hopefully that encourages more of that being together and, and really, sitting down at the table together and enjoying, enjoying that time together rather than it just being like, Oh, it's been a long day. I'm just going to go and have a glass of wine. It's like, no, this is, this is a part of the experience and experiencing life. So I really love that. So yeah, it's, have, oh, again, sorry. well, yeah, I'll take it. I was going to say, you know, we like to think of it as really tapping in, right. Instead of checking out, like I, so some people drink to check out. We, drink these pure natural wines to tap into, you know, a spiritual space that is just uplifting, right? Instead of checking out, but you were going to ask me a question. Yeah, no, I was just going to ask you a question that kind of popped into my head as I was sharing that. Um, And it's, it's more of a personal question, but I'm sure that my listeners are curious about this as well. Um, Because I've been to I've done a handful of wine taste more than a handful of wine tastings before because I love checking out new vineyards. And, um, you know, we don't have a ton around where I am in at least the part of New England I'm in. But when we were in Ontario, there were. And I've heard so many different things about how to drink wine. And so I'm curious, is there a right way to drink wine? So when it comes to other than, you know, enjoying the experience around it in terms of things like temperature and aeration. And so what is what is the right way to drink wine? What's the right way to drink dry farm wines? Well, the temperature is probably the single most important thing. Most people drink red wines too warm, mm. right? And um, and so the most red wines are served at room temperature, which is not the proper temperature for a red wine to be served at. White wines have a little bit more variance in, you know, the colder white wine is, the more constricted its flavor will be. Mm. But refrigerator temperature, like 40, 45 degrees is perfect for white wines. Red mm. wine, it's too cold. Room temperature is too warm. So the proper temperature for serving red wine is between 55 and 60 degrees. You can achieve that by about 
20 minutes in the ref- your average refrigerator or exactly 10 minutes on ice water, right? Any longer than 10 minutes, it's going to get too cold. Hmm. And so, and then, you know, to open, you know, to, to, to experience the bottle and to experience the wine is really a combination of both aromatics and taste. I can tell you, I know what a wine is going to taste like by smelling it, right? Mm. And, and and actually, the aromatics of a wine are going to be much more informative overall than the taste. Mm-hmm. And so, the experience of drinking wine is a combination of aromatics and the taste. But again, the aromatics inform much more to me about the wine and my pleasure with it than just drinking it. And so... You know, so we're always, always smelling the wine, always getting that perfume, the aromatics from the wine. At the same time, I'm drinking it. It's just kind of like they go together, right? Aromatics are more than 50% of the experience. Mm. And so that, you know, so enjoy. And also the other thing is really critical. Most people pour too much wine in a glass, right? So you really want only about a quarter of the glass or 30% at most generally 20 to 25% of the head of the glass to contain the wine so that you have sufficient head space there for the aromatics to gather and really sort of communicate with you. The more wine that's in the glass, the less opportunity there is for the aromatics to come up through the glass. And so that's the reason wine glasses are shaped this way, mm-hmm. right? So that you can get, and the wine glasses I drink out of actually look like a tulip, their large bowl at the bottom, then they kind of come up and open back up a little bit. And the purpose of that is to let the aromatics sort of gather and come up through the glass. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a, in, a, in a bowl, you know, like in a bowl this size, I will have like, you know, only about 20% of the glass actually has wine in it because I want to savor that wine and savor the experience, right? And the more wine you have in the glass, you want enough to be practical, but the more wine you have in the glass, the less room there is to experience it. Mm. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> is So there is something to the shape of the glass too, because I know that there's a Absolutely. lot of- Different glasses will communicate very different experiences with wine. Yeah. So is there a difference between red wine glasses and white wine glasses? There is you, because, yeah. because red wine has m- much deeper, much- more complex aromatics than white Mm -hmm. in part because of its temperature. When you serve a wine cold, it constricts the aromatics. Mm -hmm. Also white wines are, you know, don't have any tannin structure or very little. They don't, you know, they're made from free run juice. Red wines are made with juice and the skins and the seeds. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a completely different, completely different thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so, it's so interesting because I mean, you hear so much and you see so many of these like fancy, I'm actually thinking about the glasses that we've been using right now. And we have the bigger, more kind of bulbous red wine glasses. And then we have these glasses that are really probably just prettier to look at than anything. They're just, you know, they don't really have very much shape to them at all. And I'm like, they're probably not doing my wine any favors. (laughs) And I, we love drinking wine. And so it's, that's so interesting to me too, even just the glass shape. And I'm, I'm totally understanding the, the aromatics of the wine as much as I, I try and, you know, smell the wine as I'm drinking it. We probably pour our wine too much. We probably do like half the glass instead, maybe not a full half, but 
closer to half the glass than we are 25 to 30%. And it's the same thing with food, right? You, you smell the food first and that's part of the experience of eating. So that makes so much sense that that's part of that experience with, with wine as well. You know, speaking of food too, or do you have any recommendations when it comes to drinking wine and and with food? I mean, obviously every wine is going to pair differently with different foods. And one of the things I love um, about dry farm wines, your company specifically, is that um, you have the your website has every single wine that you get in your box, and so you can look at the different pairing suggestions and the different regions and the different notes. And and so my husband and I try to not look at the notes before we taste it, so we can kind of taste it and judge for ourselves, and then sure. go okay. So, um, but we do like to I like to pair with food too. So I do like to go okay. So what do they recommend pairing with? What am I what am I planning on cooking? And so how can we kind of pair that? So in terms of actually drinking the wine with the food, is there any, is there any way to do it other than just having it alongside and not filling your glass too much? No, I mean, you, you're going to pair, you know, lighter. This is not really an issue with white wines so much because all white wines are pretty light, right? And they go with lighter foods. But on reds, they can vary from what we would call a fish red, which is super, super light, so light that you could drink it like you would a white wine with with just white fish, right? And it mm-hmm. tastes perfectly delicious. And then you have, you know, wines that grow in density and composure that really wouldn't pair as well with lighter food, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, but those tasting notes and recommendations are, are available online for all of our wines, right? And so, and after a while you get to know wine types and wine grapes and styles, right? And, then you just sort of know what that pairs with. I eat light and fresh all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want to drink, a, I'm primarily a red wine drinker. So I want to drink light and fresh red wines, which mm-hmm. also means lower alcohol. When you remove alcohol, you remove density from wine. Mm-hmm. So alcohol gives density and boldness to wine. And I don't like those wines. I, I like a very light and fresh, which is just the way I eat, mm-hmm. right? Just light and fresh. Yeah. So that's something that I have actually noticed with dry farm wines is that they are, or especially the reds, they are a lot lighter and more drinkable. And I find a lot more enjoyable to, to eat with food because they aren't as heavy. And just so I really appreciate more that. more approachable, friendlier. Just, they're just lighter. Again, when you remove alcohol, you know, when you, re- it doesn't sound like a lot, 14 and a half, 15% versus 12%, but it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when you remove alcohol, you remove density from wine. Alcohol also hides faults in wine because alcohol is hot, mm-hmm. right? And so, and the general winemaking style of recent years has just been very, very high alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the taste of it. Plus, I don't like how it makes me feel, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so you, you notice a big, big difference in taste and feeling and you know, the next day, you notice all of this when you start removing alcohol and, you know, maybe I'd be better if I didn't drink at all, but I love wine. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, I just love drinking wine and, uh, and uh, unless I'm doing an extended fast, I drink wine every single day mm-hmm. and have for a long, long time. And because I just enjoy it, you know, and I love it, but as you know, when you turn the alcohol back, you'll get both a fresher taste and you just feel better. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love that it it can be a part of a healthy, balanced life, which is what what we're all about over here. <laughs> nice. So, you know, it was something that I asked all my guests, uh, usually at the end of the podcast, but um, and we're we're getting towards the end, but I because I want to still talk about the company a little bit as a whole, um, because I find it so fascinating. But I want to ask you now, because I think you are in a very unique situation as the founder of this company that has grown 780% in the past three years. That is insane. And I really, really love your company manifesto as well. So how do you find balance in all that you do? You know, you're sitting here on a Monday afternoon with me and we're just kind of having this chat and you have this massive company that's growing in massive ways. And yet you're talking about taking care of your health on a regular basis and sitting around the table and enjoying a slow dinner with wine. So how do you find balance in everything you do being the founder of this massive company? Well, you know, we, we have a meditation practice at my company. The first hour of every morning, we meditate together. Today, that's done via Zoom. Prior to that, we have a large room uh, in our office building where we would sit in a circle and meditate for an hour every morning. Now we do that same practice, only it's via Zoom. So I would say meditation is, you know, for me, having quote, a successful business, I don't equate success with money. So <clears throat> for me, having what people would would classify as a successful business, the most successful thing that you can have in your life is peace and joy, right? And so finding, and that is particularly, is more difficult during these challenging times for most people, but I find meditation is the most grounding practice for me and exercise, but meditation first in training my mind to be at peace. I'm also surrounded by an extraordinarily talented group of people. We have 60 people who work in our company and, and, uh, and they're all extraordinarily talented. And so, you know, that relieves the burden on me because I'm surrounded by extremely talented people who don't require much input from me to, to outperform and to excel at what they do in their craft. But I think our meditation practice is the foundation for our success, if you will, uh, because it brings us together in a very spiritual way that allows us to communicate at a, at a higher frequency than you would in a standard workplace. So, yeah, we have been blessed with a lot of abundance, but we attribute it to, you know, meditation one and hiring number two. Like our hiring process is very extensive. It, um, our hiring practice takes just over two months, right? Mm -hmm. From the time we receive uh, an application to the time we hire will typically be just over two months. And so, and there are a lot of steps in that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, finding people who really want to perform in a professional setting turns out it's pretty difficult, mm -hmm. right? And so we put a tremendous amount of effort and emphasis into making those decisions and trying to get it right, which is why it takes so long. And there's so many steps in the process because it's really hard to understand who somebody is and who they're likely to become you know, in a different condition. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, we're all operating within the parameters of our reality, our perception, and most importantly, our prior conditioning. And when you come into an organization where the conditioning is going to be very different because we're meditating together for an hour every day and we're living by a set of values and principles that put peace above profit, Mm -hmm. right? So that conditioning over time is going to have a profound positive impact if you're hiring the right people. So, you know, when I look at the most difficult thing to understand about someone is who they will become, you know, with different conditions. And so that's, you know, that's kind of, I think that's the, the two things that really uh, enable us to run a very high growth, one of the fastest growing bu- private businesses in the United States, while we run a very fast growing company with, uh, with very little to no drama, right? Mm. And um, even though we're, and moving at a very high pace in the pandemic, I mean, the pandemic mm-hmm. compromised our, see all of our wines go on refrigerated boats, you know, in Europe and get shipped here. So the pandemic, as you might guess, interrupted all of that. At one point, we thought we were going to run out of wine. Oh, wow. And uh, at the same time, people were drinking more than ever, <laughs> right? Because they're bored and they're anxious or, you know, they're uh, starting to drink a little earlier in the day than they normally would. And they probably drink a little bit more. So, uh, yeah, at one point we thought we were going to run out of wine, but, but that, you know, but the whole thing has come together nicely and, you know, and we run a very peaceful business, but I think being at peace and being at peace with the people around you and being connected, you know, is the most important thing to, to what we do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think that can be true in, in every area of our lives, right? Being at peace, being connected, Oh my gosh, that's so great. And I mean, it's so admirable that you do run the company the way you do in that, you know, this this matters because dry farm wines matter to you, right? Or natural wines matter to you. And so you want to be hiring people who are going to support that desire to bring this, to bring these wines to more people. Um, I'm so grateful that, you know, I heard from friends about dry farm wines and we decided to jump in and try them and and we loved them. So I would love for you to kind of share about the the wine club model as well, because I do think it's it's really interesting. Um, and I don't know. I, I know that my, my father-in-law has always he loves wine and uh, they're in Canada. I'm not sure if you guys, if you guys ship to Canada. Um, we're about to, we, we don't yet, but we're about to start shipping. Oh, you are. Oh, that is so great. Well, I, I have some customers for you, um, nice. <laughs> but he loves wine and he's always been a part of a wine club and they've um, him and I think his neighbor have been drink- They've been, you know, getting a case of wine for years together, but that was that was kind of, that wasn't, wasn't something that I heard a lot of people do. A lot of people getting wines delivered to their house. Um, but when we looked into it and we were looking at, okay, we want to be drinking wines that are better for us. And we were the ones who were looking for more organic wines. And we've drank a lot of local wines, depending on where we lived. There's not a lot around here. And unfortunately what's around here isn't all that great. <laughs> um, so we were looking for more local companies, more organic wines. But then when we started actually looking and digging into what you, what you've been sharing about dry farm wines, we're like, this sounds like it fits with our lifestyle. And the fact that it's delivered to our house is awesome too. And then the, you know, compared to other 
organic wines or local wines, it's also not that much more expensive, if more expensive at all. It's very reasonable. Um, So can you share a little bit about the model and kind of how dry farm wines works if somebody wants to dig in and and try your wines out and how, you know, getting it shipped to you and all of that, all of that kind of works? Yeah. So our wines are super affordable for a handcrafted fine wine product. So they, all of our wines sell for exactly the same price. So they average just under $25 a bottle, including shipping. Now, this, the wine cost itself is about $22 a bottle, but then we pay for the shipping as well. Mm-hmm. And so and shipping wine is very expensive because it's heavy uh, and it's packed in glass and it's perishable. Right? So we have to work with all those issues. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, a case of wine weighs nearly 40 pounds on average. So... The um, So we are a wine club, and the reason we're a wine club, now you can buy wine with us, you can buy wine from us without being a member of the club. I'll tell you how to do that. But, but we're a wine club because I wanted to help regular wine drinkers because they're the ones who need the most amount of help, right, in terms of drinking a better product. So we're a wine club. You can get six or 12 bottles, at any frequency you like, most of our customers are monthly or every other month. They choose between red, white, sparkling, rosé, or orange. And orange wine is a very rare type of white wine that is um, has skin contact in the fermentation, which gives it sort of an amber color, which is why it's called orange. And so the, the, the member specifies frequency, the amount... Uh, and it comes right to their doorstep. There's contactless delivery now, so you don't have to meet with the driver. You just get you just get your wine. the um, The prices are one fifty nine for six bottles or two ninety nine for twelve. And uh, we don't make it difficult to get out of the club. You can cancel from your account portal, which is super easy to log into. You can stop anytime you want. You can order a box and cancel the same day. Um, We also have a 100% happiness guarantee, what we call our happiness promise. For any reason, if you're unhappy with a bottle of wine, we'll replace it or refund it, no questions asked. And and so this, you know, we, we, now if you want to buy wine from us but don't want to be a member, then if you sign up to our email list on our website, uh, which is easy to find. When you sign up to our email list, you will get notified a couple of times a month for special offers we have that don't require a subscription. If you go to our website or to your landing page where we have a special gift for your listeners of a penny bottle of wine, mm-hmm. if you go there, you're only going to see subscription as your only option. But if you sign up to our email list, you will get special promotions twice a month. Mm-hmm. that allow you to buy one-off purchases. But we're really a wine club, so our focus is on helping regular wine drinkers and people who want to be a member of the club. And uh, so anyway, that's basically how it works. It's pretty straightforward. Everything costs the same. We make it super simple to understand. And it's all – and we do, you know, as I mentioned, we do have a, a – uh, I'm sure you'll have the link in your, in your show notes, but mm-hmm. we do have a one-penny bottle uh, gift for your listeners today who uh, – they can get a extra bottle of wine for a penny uh, when they place their order. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have people start drinking dry farm wines and, and to, to taste the difference and taste how delicious they are. Um, maybe I'll share, I'll probably share in the show notes to a couple of my favorites in case they, in case nice. they get them in their boxes. Nice. <laughs> we have a, nice. we have a running list. My husband will take a picture of the bottle and go, Hey, maybe we can, maybe we can find this. I know they're a little bit harder to find. Cause there's, there's, I mean, we've, we have honestly, to be totally honest, we've enjoyed every bottle we've had in different Good. ways, right? And nice. the the one thing that got my husband to because he's he's a little bit more he's a little bit more frugal and he's a little bit more skeptical. He's sure. totally a questioner. So he was like, because he he loves wine, and so he's like, well, what if we don't like the wine? And then we've gone and we've bought it, and I was like, no, they will they will refund you or replace it, right? If you don't like it, and he's like, really. Sure. And we have not had yeah, to. Yeah, it's true. We haven't. We it's have true. enjoyed it, which I really love, and I love the flexibility too. If we want to change things up, or you know, we want a different kind of wine, we do a mixed box. But if we want a different kind, or we want to skip that month, or we want to, you can um, skip. Yeah, you can cancel. It's very, very you flexible. Can do which, every anything, change your frequency, temporary, a change of address. What it's is super easy to use. We're not trying to get people like. You know, you got these subscription services. You can't figure out how to cancel. I mean, we're not, that's not the goal. The goal is just to help regular wine drinkers. And if they want to stop getting wine, they just cancel or put the membership on hold. Yeah. Yeah. So make it super easy. Yes. I love that so much, but I seriously doubt they're going to want to stop after they, after they try. It's hard to go back to drinking conventional wines once you've been drinking these wines. Yeah, it really is. If, you know, just for the the way the way they taste and the way you feel, like absolutely. So, I have two last sort of rapid fire questions that I okay. love to ask my guests at the end of every interview. Um, I already asked you one of them, so I'm going to I'm going to add another one at the end, but they're they're fun and because we love to talk about balance in every area, um especially food because I am a big foodie. <laughs> um I love to ask what is your favorite thing to cook? Wow. My favorite thing to cook at the moment is lines, mane mushrooms with brown butter. Mm. That's, they're just magical. Like you just cannot believe these sponges to soak up this brown butter and the texture is incredible. And it's super easy to make. You just like, you know, lime's main mushrooms, which are just these white kind of cushy things. And you just saute them in butter and you just keep sauteing them. The butter gets brown mm-hmm. and they become brown and caramelized. And it's just, that's my favorite thing at the moment to cook. I've also been, um, I've also been, I don't normally eat chicken a lot, but I found this great local organic chicken farm and I've been doing two day, salt brines Mm. um, on these chickens and roasting them up. uh, And they're just so good. So, uh, and then I make bone broth out of the, you know, Mm. what's left and kind of repurpose the whole thing. Those are my two things, favorite things at the moment that I'm cooking. Oh, that sounds delicious. I love lion's mane mushrooms and we have a local mushroom. He's, he's called the mushroom guy here on the island and uh, you can get them from him every so often. He doesn't have them all the time. Um, I'll go to the farmer's market and get them, but I've never, I've never browned the butter while I've sauteed them. So I'm going to have to try that because that sounds, that sounds really delicious. Yeah. Just keep them on there. It'll, it'll just brown itself, the whole thing. And they'll come out looking like you know, little brown nuggets and they're just so delicious, but you've got to, you got to, got to get them cooked and, and, and get the butter brown. Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> so then what is your favorite thing to order if you are going to go to a restaurant or maybe you have a, a favorite local restaurant? Well, 
gosh, my favorite thing I mean, right to now order. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, my favorite thing to order is uh, I ate a lot of salads, mm. but uh, my favorite entree. This may surprise you. I love cheeseburgers, no bun. Mm-hmm. Right, so I just I just love cheeseburgers, and I don't I don't I mean I'm talking about from a restaurant, not from fast food. Yes, <laughs> where it's like real, you know, real grass fed beef or you know high quality beef. Mm-hmm. And um, I love the combination of flavors with the vegetables, lettuce, tomato, onion, pickles, all kind of with cheese and beef. And so I don't eat bread. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm always uh, uh, just um, I oftentimes order cheeseburger with no bun. Mm-hmm. I love that too. So I'm, I'm right, <laughs> right there with you with that. That's awesome. So my last question I have is what does making a difference in the world mean to you? Making a difference in the world. I think the the primary, <clears throat> my primary goal was to to be both a student and a teacher. But I have the great fortune of of working with a lot of very bright young people, and uh, and the great opportunity to influence their lives in a way that it would have never happened otherwise. So, you know, my greatest purpose is being of service to others. I think that's the purpose of life. Mm, oh my gosh. So, so great. Todd, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. I had so much fun talking about wine. I'm disappointed it's still so early in the day because I want to go have a glass of wine now. Exactly. <laughs> Later tonight exactly. with dinner. <laughs> well, it's one o'clock in the afternoon here. So about six o'clock, I'll be opening up a bottle of wine uh, and probably having a cheeseburger. <laughs> Thanks for delicious. having me today. Oh yes. Thank you so much. This is so great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.